Hi! Welcome to Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the Word. Praise Jesus. Psalm 34, verse 19. What I'm about to preach this morning is what I tied to no more grave or no more graveyard affairs. Now, I'm going to be teaching in such a dimension that the scriptures I'm going to be using. I might not be using them in accordance to how you've always known them because the Lord wants me to drive home a point into your heart this morning. Psalm 34, verse 19. It says, the righteous may have many troubles. The reason for the righteous having many troubles is because whoever passed the baton to the righteous, if the person has not conquered certain walls, then the righteous person who has received the baton would have to go through all those troubles. Just like my late dad said to me, he said, you will not have to fight certain battles again because I already fought them. And I understood where I was coming from because you cannot have journeyed about seven mountains in this country and your problems will still go back to you the way you came. There's a mountain they call... Orioke Babalola, somewhere around Ekiti. You can't climb that mountain and your problems will follow you back to Ibadan. It's not possible. It's not possible. I know what I'm talking about. That's why when you climb that mountain fasting, you will be seeing your problems from afar and the problems will look at you and say, ah, ah, I followed you here. Enough. The righteous may have many troubles, But who delivers him from them all? Who delivers him from them all? The Lord. The Lord delivers the righteous from them all. Now, Leviticus 26, from verse 14 to 17. Leviticus 26, from verse 14 to 17. Good. Now, watch this. It's not like the Lord is trying to curse but he's trying to bring to your consciousness. If you would not listen to me and carry out all these commands, verse 15, if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands, can I have the next uh, scripture? Media, help me. I didn't cram it on my head before coming. Praise God. This is what happens when some people came to church fasting. Okay, I can see it here. Verse 15. Let's go back to verse 15. Oh, it's showing now. Praise God. And I was promising you guys pizza after the end of the service, so it's gone. It's gone. This one that you just did is gone. Now, if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, verse 16, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting diseases, and fever. So you see that sometimes malaria is not caused by mosquito. (laughs) Because you ask somebody that lives inside net, how did you get... Malaria. You have violated the covenant. So God brought malaria to get your attention back. Now, 
that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will plant seed in vain. So you can give pastor the seed you want to give, but you are doing it in vain. Because your enemies will do what? Will eat it. Verse 17. Verse 17. I'll set my face against you so that you'll be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. And you would even flee when no one is pursuing you. Who chased you out of the house? I don't know. Who told you to resign? I don't know. Who told you to leave the city of Ibadan and you are just walking helplessly? I don't know. Why did you leave that church and now you are homeless? I don't know. Why did you quit that marriage? I don't know. You see here, verse 18, even though I didn't ask for verse 18. He said, if all of this, you will not listen to me, I will punish you. For what? How many times? Afflictions are clear indication that your assignment is on hold. Afflictions are crystal clear indications that you have violated a covenant. The righteous may be afflicted because they have pending tax and untapped inheritance. When there are things the Lord tells you to do, and you put them on hold or you ignore them, you are reminded, not with instruction, but you are reminded with afflictions. Are you following me this morning? So I'm saying it again. Afflictions are crystal clear indications that your assignment is on hold. Marriage is not an excuse. Education is not an excuse. Your family background is not an excuse to put any assignment on hold. The economy of this nation is not an excuse. Your financial state is not an excuse. In fact, your health is not an excuse. The righteous is mostly afflicted because they have pending tax and untapped inheritance. Now write this down. Afflictions are scarce. Designed to remind great men of hidden crowns and buried garments. Every destiny has a crown. But when your crown is hidden, afflictions remind you that you have hidden something and you have buried something. Afflictions are circumstances engineered to scratch and pressure the feet of great men. There is this thing, I'm trying to still find the, the English name. Maybe if I say the Yoruba, you, you help me with the English name. They call it Paja Paja. Pedonk Pedonk, or whatever the name is called. What's the English? Who can help me? Who went to, who went to a private school here? Who went to a private school? What's the English of Paja Paja? Huh? Somebody said crumbs. So you all went to public school. There's just a way you'll be comfortable you're about that you'll never find out what the English is. When I told somebody that a way to do is lettuce, he says it can't be. Now, what am I trying to say? Once Paja, Paja, 
whether in English or Yoruba. Once it eats your leg, it's a reminder that you have been idle for a long time. That means that leg has been stagnant for what? For a long time. You can't be running or you can't be working like the way I'm working and get something like that. But once your leg is idle for a long period of time, that's just the way. Why? Because the blood pressure has accumulated in such a way. I don't know how to explain it. Whoever is in the medical field will explain it to you after service. But something just happens. And it looks like a human being that you cannot see is doing what? He's scratching your leg. So this is your leg, not swollen. But you are scared of placing it on the ground. Because it looks as if the leg is now bigger but the moment you do like this, pa, it stops. So afflictions are circumstances engineered to scratch the feet of great men who have abandoned their assignment or who do not see a delight in their inheritance. Write this. Afflictions are shameful happenings orchestrated to affect the sight of great men. Until your sight is attacked, you cannot remind yourself that there is something great ahead of you. So I've come to this understanding that great men are made in the furnace of afflictions. That's why I said in the course of my teaching, I'm not going to teach it like the way you expect me to teach it because somebody wants me to be rebuking afflictions right now. That's not my place this morning. That's not what they assert me for. Great men are made where? In the furnace of afflictions. Great men are those who escaped the battles of the womb. Every single one of us here under the sound of my voice and those watching online, we all escaped the battles of the womb. You think you came out by push? Some of you think, I came, Pastor, I didn't, my mom didn't push. I did, they did CS for me, they just brought me out. No. Do you know the kind of battles you went through in the spirit before you came out from that womb? Now, great men are victorious men who have been tortured in the tombs of life. Now, write this. This is one truth I want you to hold in today's service. The tombs of life was designed to capture great men who have escaped the battles of the womb. So your victory does not stop when you've escaped the womb. Your view victory is when you've overcome the tomb. So the essence of the tombs of life is to frustrate the reality of what a great man can do or what a great man can accomplish. So I put it to you this morning that naming ceremony is not a victory party. Oh, pastor, they did my naming ceremony. It was loud. It was loud. It was loud. Tony Tertullia was there. Two-Face was there. It was loud. It was on his blog. Everybody took it. Bishop Latilo Show took it. Uh, Pastor, it was loud. I watched the clip. Naming ceremony is not a victory party. When you start breaking grounds, that's the sound of victory. When you start breaking grounds, that's the sound of victory. How do I know this? Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Let's put that on the screen. Mark chapter 1, 
verse 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in Jordan, verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now watch verse 11. See what happened. And a voice came from heaven. What did he say? You are my son. Let's read it together. You are what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That statement was not said at his naming ceremony. That could have been a good statement to say to Mary. That, oh, wow, you just gave back to the one I'm impressed with. Because there's a tendency that Jesus could live his life and withdraw from the assignment. As a matter of fact, he was close to the cross and he said, Father, can this cup pass over me? Because he saw the pains of the cross and he saw some of you in the spirit. How are you going to live your life? He said, eh, water. He saw... I was talking to my wife yesterday. He saw, he saw some of you that was raped when you were young and gave your life to Christ and said, I will not go back to this thing. But today, you are still there. God raped again. God raped again. God raped again. And you are saying you want to blame God and blame church. No. It's you. It's you. Living your life in the circles of sin. That's not, that's, that's not God. That's you. That's you. When I saw the pains of stealing money in the house, I made up my mind that I'd rather be stealing for myself <laughs> than to go and steal in somebody else's house. I saw the way they beat somebody on our street with tire. I said, if this is the punishment for stealing in another man's house, let my stealing not pass our compound. <laughs> Because it takes somebody that knows you to rescue you from the tire. If, no, if everybody there hates you, you are gone. If I ask someone, say, ah, what did he steal? Hey, he came to my shop to steal money. Say, ah, that means he was the one that came to my shop last week. Anytime you are trying to defend yourself, it's more slap and more tire. I saw the way they beat that guy that day. I go back home, told my sister, I said, my stealing will not pass this compound. He said, what did you see? Ah, I said, don't worry. What I saw? You are my son in whom I am well placed. That was because he has started breaking grounds. And one of the means or one of the modes at which he started breaking grounds was that he took it upon himself to be baptized by his forerunner. Don't forget that even his forerunner, John, was trying to convince him to allow Jesus baptize John. And Jesus said to him, said, no, so that the scriptures can be fulfilled. And after which, of course, Jesus knew that after baptism, he was going to step into the wilderness. So he could have delayed his wilderness journey. And that's what is happening to some of you. You know that the pathway to your destiny is through the wilderness, but you're avoiding it. I don't know about the way you guys travel, but I know very well for myself that they will rob you 10 times if you pass Old Ijebu Expressway to Lagos compared to passing Lagos Ibadan Expressway. I know what I'm talking about. Those who travel a lot will understand what I'm saying. 
They are likely to kidnap you on Old Ijebu Expressway compared to Lagos Ibadan. That place is too, it's too open for someone to attack. You must be a, you must be a big target. Maybe your father is Dangote or your mom is um, Awoshika or somebody. But if you are just a Tomiwa kind of person, ah, who wants to kidnap you on Lagos Ibadan Expressway? But Old Ijebu, why? Because that road has been abandoned. But guess what? The road of that old Ijebu Expressway, very smooth compared to Express. It's longer. It's confusing. I know why I say it's confusing. You get to a particular bridge, you'll now be confused. Because on this side of that bridge, you're in Lagos Garage. Then the other side of the bridge, you're in Ibadan Garage. But now this is the shocking part. Somebody who is on Lagos Garage, if they are going to Lagos, they should face this way. Somebody who is on Ibadan Garage, if they are going to Ibadan, they should face what? This way. So one day I entered those two garages, and I saw that the person going to Lagos will eventually now go and pass Ibadan Garage to Lagos. And the person in Ibadan Garage will eventually now go and turn. So I'm like, what a confused garage management. So you are seeing the bridge. Say, Lagos Garage, Ibadan Garage. So your mind, you're like, ah, if they can be calling Lagos here, that means Lagos is still ahead. Okay, you'll find yourself in Agor. <laughs> if you don't get to Agor, you get to Kodu. There's another one they call Pakmala uh, or whatever it's called. You'll find yourself there. You'll now ask yourself that, but I follow the sound of Lagos Garage. No, they have to still turn that bridge. The pathway to destiny is through the wilderness. You take it today, your life is better. So naming ceremony is not a victory party. But groundbreaking ceremony is a clear sound of victory. The heaven is not pleased with you on your naming ceremony. Just in case you thought that on your naming ceremony, the heavens was happy. No, you can see that here in Jesus. The heaven is pleased with you when you start living out the reality of the name they gave to you. Not the one your parents gave to you. The name they gave to you. Some of you have two names. I'm trying to think of a very amazing name. So your parents give you a very funny name. Maybe they give you Yetunde or Shalewa. So in on earth you are being Shalewa, but in heaven, heaven recognizes you as Shara. So you see the difference. Though it starts with S, but the engagements are different. There is a name given to every man from the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is excited when you are living the reality of that name and establishing your true identity. Every single one of us has a true identity. Either you take it from me today or not, you have a true identity that heaven gets excited when you start living it out. And heaven does not know what is called marriage. Heaven does not know what is called, uh, oh, I, I just graduated from school. Oh, I'm doing my NYC. Oh, I'm, I'm handicapped. I'm this, I'm that. Heaven does not recognize that. 
Because in the kingdom of heaven, you are made whole. Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. I want to show you something. Heaven is pleased with you when you start leaving out the reality of the name given to you and establishing your true identity on the surface of this earth. So let's move on. Now Job 1 verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. Verse 21. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. You see what I talk about? Escaping from the womb. And naked will I depart. Now he had to say that because he was going through a lot of afflictions. And he could not ascertain who was afflicting him, whether it was a devil or it was God. But he was surrounded with people who told him that it is God that is afflicting him. In the course of my teaching, you will see why you have to pay very much attention to the kind of people you surround yourself with. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. This is not true. It's not true. The Lord does not give and take away. No. Don't forget. He said, my word will not come back to me void without not fulfilling what it has said. God does not give and God does not take away. He would rather not give than to take it away. How about pastor? People die. That, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about God can bless you and take away the blessing. If he can't take away the anointing, why would he take away the blessing? Anointing is more powerful than the blessing because the anointing can produce the blessing. So if he, if he says my anointing is without repentance, it's not coming back to me. That's why you find somebody who is still messing around but still anointed. You find great men of God who are still committing all kinds of atrocity but they are still anointed. Because the anointing is not going to go back to God. The anointing is it's a free economy that was discharged from the kingdom of heaven and it will not come back to them. They don't need the anointing in heaven. Who, who is blind in heaven? Who is lame in heaven? Who is deaf and dumb in heaven? Who is sick in heaven? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now get this. It's okay to come out of the womb in pains. And that's of course because you escaped. Nobody comes out of the womb had their free will. We all escaped. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, we are, we are all prisoners. We all escaped. No, pastor, I came out at nine months. You escaped at nine months. You escaped. So, it's okay to come out of the womb in pains. And that's what Job was referring to. I came out of the womb naked. Just in case your mom hasn't seen you that you came out of our womb looking so beautiful. It's a big lie. You came out with blood all over you. For you to come out with blood, do you know how many people you killed inside that spiritual womb? Probably you, you, you are the candidate that came out. You, you destroyed Taiwo. Destroyed Idowu. There's another one again after Idowu. What's that? You destroyed Alaba. You cut the leg of Idogbe and Idogon, whatever name they cut. <laughs> Praise God. Naked I came. And naked I'll return. That's not the plan of God. That's not the plan of God. 
It's disastrous to go back to your tomb in shame, pains, and guilt. Very disastrous. It means that you wasted your time escaping from the womb. If anybody did biology here, uh, that was my favorite subject in, uh, in school. Because uh, one diagram can fetch you an A. And that's the only course that you can explain with your entire life and get a full mark compared to chemistry. So my biology teacher taught me that when a man meets with a woman, I don't want to use the normal word so that I don't affect somebody's spiritual life this morning, uh, that all kinds, all, that it, millions of, uh, of S, If you are laughing, your mind is corrupt. <laughs> Praise God. Millions of close up or ogi, whatever it's called, is released. By the end of the day, only one breaks the egg. What a fight! What a fight! So you escaped from the womb naked. It's disastrous to go into the tomb naked. That means you wasted your time fighting in the womb. You abandoned so many assignments. Because even Jesus was gone back to be checked in the tomb and it was not found there. If they find your identity in the tomb, you are a wasted vessel. They can find your body, but not your identity. You know what it means? That the day you left the surface of this earth, the entire earth forgot about you. You wasted your time coming out of the womb. You think it's everybody they do remembrance for? You are remembered because there's something to remember for. There are people who have died that people cannot give an account of them. The Bible says that one of the most dangerous causes is for the heaven to cause you, that it will be as if you never existed on earth. That's the most dangerous cause. Cause is not, oh, you will not have money, you will not have wife, you will not have child. No, no, no. The most dangerous one is that you walked on the surface of this earth and there was no impact. It is disastrous to be buried in the tomb of life in pains, Shame and regret. Job 36. Job 36. Let's take it from verse 5. Let's take it from verse 5 to 15. Job 36. Let's put that on the screen. Job 36. Now I'm getting into the word. Now watch this. It says, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. So that's what you're created for. God is so particular about it. God is so concerned about it. Nothing is going to change his mind about it. And every purpose is unique. So there should be no competition. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? If he created you a John, don't fight to be a Jesus. If he created you a Paul, don't fight to be a Timothy. That was what wrecked the ministry of John the Baptist. 
he moved from ministry to politics. Trying to compete with Jesus. All John was supposed to do was to prepare the way for Jesus. John went as far as after preparing the way, started impacting people with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost that has not yet come down. He was teaching them how to speak in tongues. And that's what you see in many churches. Somebody who does not have a relationship yet with Christ, the pastor is already training the person how to speak. They say, shake up, baba. Say, shake up, baba. Say, mama, 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 mama. Join together. Shake up, mama, mama, mama. Continue like that. Then the person will come to judge one and say, ah, shake up, mama, mama, mama. Pastor said, like, kick up, but ah, you just add it. Shake up, baba. Like, kick up, just continue. If after one year, one year is even too long, if after two months your tongues have not changed, please delete the one you already have. Because every engagement with speaking in tongues, there should be a change in your tongues. Every time you speak in tongues, you should ignite a new one. You should ignite a new one. Verse 6, it does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their what? Verse 7. Verse 7. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exhausts them forever. Verse 8. Verse 8. But if people are bound in chains, held fast by cults of afflictions. Verse 9. Verse 9. He tells them what they have what? What they have done. Follow me this morning. That they have what? They have sinned arrogantly. The only reason why you abandoned your assignment is because you are too full of yourself. The only reason why you abandoned what God has said about you is because you think you know better than God. I want you as a servant, but you tell yourself, no, the life of a slave is better. Verse 10. Verse 10. It makes them listen to correction. And commands them to repent of their evil. So every time you ignore the assignment, you are considered an evil man. Because in the assignment is where you find inheritance. In the assignment is where some people find the living. So you are causing some people to die because of your arrogance and selfishness. Pastor, God is supposed to understand. God understands that I'm going through some stuff so we can put that assignment on hold. Now, guess what? Somebody's about to die. Somebody's about to commit suicide. Somebody's about to give up. Why? Because you're arrogant. Because you are the author and the finisher of your own fate. Oh, pastor, I've really not heard the voice of the Lord. It's not really clear. It's not really clear what he wants me to do. But the one you are doing is clear. That way, what life you are living is clear. Oh, yeah. Like, legit. You understand it. So, it's one that God is saying you don't understand. But jumping from women to women. Oh, yeah, Baje. You understand it. Sincerely, that's just how I think. It makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. Verse 11. If they obey and serve him, what will happen? They spend the rest of their days in what? In prosperity and their years in contentment. Verse 12. But if they do not listen, they will perish by what? 
the sword. And die with what? With dark knowledge. When your death cannot be explained. That's why Job said, God gives and God takes. Because he himself was confused. He did not understand the game. And all God wanted from him was that in the midst of his affliction, God wanted to see that it was still strengthening people. Because that was how his restoration came. He didn't do any prayer point. He didn't, go, he didn't climb any mountain. His restoration came by strengthening others who are not even as afflicted as he was. Your ministry is in clearing out the mess of people, not you paying attention to your own mess. The blessing is in blessing others. Then in return, you will be blessed. If they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without, their, without knowledge. Verse 13. Verse 13. The godless in heart abhor resentment. Even when it fetters them, they do not cry for help. You are so proud. You are so full of yourself that you don't need God. You are so full of yourself that the assignment can wait. You are so full of yourself that God can't use you. Because you have a track record of people that God cannot use. See, if, if, if really God is going to use me. Uh, why, why, why did he watch me lose my dad? Why did he watch me lose my mom? Why did he watch me get raped by my uncle? Oh, why did he, why, why did he, watch, why did he watch those robbers to steal stuff? Verse 14. They die in their what? Among what? Male prostitutes of the strife. Verse 15. But those who suffer, it delivers in their suffering and speaks to them in their what? In their afflictions. Afflictions are bound to arise when obedience is delayed. So once you delay obedience, get ready for afflictions. Get ready. Pastor, why has the Lord afflicted me? You too, why have you disobeyed or delayed obedience? Like you're about to say, two, cut four. Afflictions are bound to arise when your space is crowded. I've said it before in this house that God will permit me a particular Sunday I will teach about just space, space. Because that's the, big, that's the biggest deliverance that some of you need. All kinds of people, you jump packed in your space and you say you will not be afflicted. Somebody who has no tomorrow is in your today. Somebody who is living in the past is in your today. Somebody who does not regard God is in your today. Somebody who have, who have messed up their entire life is in your today. So you are the counselor. You are the destiny changer that does not yet know his destiny. Yeah. Afflictions will rise when your space is crowded. And your space goes beyond just the kind of people you put in your space. It also talks about the things you've loaded yourself with. So if you picture yourself that nothing good can come out of you, you our afflictions will remind you that there is so much on the inside of you. 
Some people think afflictions is a punishment. It's a reminder. It's like alarm clock. It reminds you that, oh, girl, people are waiting. So you load your space with all kinds of things. And there's just a way you load up your space that new things cannot come in. I went to somebody's shop sometimes in Computer Village and I saw that the outside of the shop was even more than the shop. If you've been to Computer Village, you understand what I'm talking about. The outside of the shop was more than the shop. So I asked the person, I said, Ogasa, how do you close your shop with all these items outside? Because I first thought it was just carton until I started opening them or they were opening it in front of me, and I saw that there were equipment inside. He said, ah, he said, uh, there is no place to put new items because he has not gotten rid of the old one. That's where the scripture talks about. You cannot add a new wine into what? Into an old wine skin. You are holding on to your father, and you want God to be your father. You are holding on to your past and you want him to show you your future. I told somebody, I said, it's not me that will force you to change from Android to iPhone. The person said, no, it's Android for life. I can't do without Android. Now, I'm not trying to spoil anybody's mood this morning. But as far as I'm concerned, and the lead pastor. Whatever I say is spiritually stamped. Are you getting me? Let them give you iPhone 15 Pro Max. You will drop your useless Android. Let them give you MacBook. You will throw away that Toshiba. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Take a trip to Apple store. Not Adamu store, where they sell Apple products. Apple store. Meet Apple engineers. You can't do five minutes in that place. You'll break the bank. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Let them just flash iPhone in front of you. You will look down on your Android. So what am I saying? You've not seen the new wine. It's why you are holding on to the old wine. You don't believe that God can give you a good man. It's why you are holding on to your gate man. If that's somebody I spoke to, they, they didn't tell me about you. It was, it was God. It was God. I, I confess in the Holy Ghost. They, nobody reported you to me. It was. Just like Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father said, ah! So eventually they told Pastor Mike. Nobody told me. To God. To God. If any way you want me to put it, nobody told me. Okay. Afflictions are bound to arise when instructions are ignored. It's very easy to, to ignore instructions, especially when you don't see the value in them. And especially when you look down on yourself. 
you going to tell somebody like this who never went to a theology school to come and pastor a church? And I'm coming to pastor at a time whereby people just came out of COVID and people now believe that the Holy Spirit is inside their room, on their iPads and on their TV. In fact, if you tell me the Holy Spirit is on the TV, I'll believe that because the TV, it, it takes a remote to change the channel. But the Holy Spirit is on your phone that as the pastor is preaching, Instagram notification is popping, WhatsApp is popping, uh, Twitter is popping, Threads is popping, the new one now on the block is TikTok, is popping. You will, you will scroll past the YouTube channel and go on those stuffs. Then, of course, you are coming to preach to people whereby they want you to preach something new every Sunday. Forgetting that there's nothing wrong if a pastor repeats his sermon for one year. He just tells you that there is somebody new on the block that needs to hear the word. If I try that in THN, I say, ah! Pastor, anything dull. What you, what you are carried away? Go Soromo. Pastor, go on a break. Just travel, then come back. Afflictions are bound to arise when your garment is stained. So you must be highly protective of whatever the Lord has given to you. Some people's garment is their character. Some people's garment is their integrity. Some people's garment is their sincerity. So you have stained it with informations that you should not stain them with. A great brother in this house used to say something in Yoruba, and I'll say it the way he says it. Or let me say it in a way that you understand. He said, you've eaten dodo, and you cannot speak dodo. That means you've, you've eaten something, and you can't spill the truth. When your garment is stained, your next guest is afflictions. So for the sake of food, you sold your integrity. For the sake of friendship, you sold your integrity. For the sake of whatever it is, you sold that which is precious to you. Sometimes when I sit down and ask people how they they mess up themselves and all of that stuff. I really don't blame the person who messed them up. I blame the person who got messed up for putting themselves in that environment. I was telling my wife recently, uh, when people complain about, oh, pastor was abused, I went to his house, he touched me, he did this, I didn't see it coming, if I knew, I would not have gone, oh, I can't stay alone in my house, why can't you stay alone in my house? Pastor, I'm bored. How is Christianity Boredom. This is my advice to that person that always feels bored. Use spirit in. Sleep. By the time you are waking up at 3 a.m., you can't go to anybody's house. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You can't go. Some people's definition of joy is when everywhere is bubbling. Joy is a spirit. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Pastor, I like when everywhere is bubbling. People are hyped up. Joy is not hypo or hypey. Everybody should be jumping. No. Don't be deceived by all the songs you hear. I got joy. Then people are jumping. No, that's not, that's not it. That's being 
that's responding to beat. Joy is a spirit. And it comes on you after you are saved. You cannot be unsaved and have joy. You have chaos. Joy only comes to a man that is what? That is saved. So now I tell you the reason why you are bored. You are not saved. You can't hear 30 minutes of uh, great apostles like Joshua Selman, Pastor Chris. Ah, I didn't want to go to the fathers of faith. Pastor Chris, great men like that. You, you can't hear messages of those people for 30 minutes and your brain will still tell you to dress up and go to his house. Then my own counsel, you cannot use spiritine. Before you get to his house, you will have slept off. The pastor was bored. I was bored. Is why I went out with them. Your mates are cruising with the Holy Spirit. You are cruising with beer, light. And you call that joy. Pastor, the bed in my house is not good for me to sleep. We have, we have bed bugs. I'm sharing bed with 70 people in my house. Okay. That's why you have the house of God. Tell us the day you want to come and sleep. We'll open this place for you. Come and sleep here. And who tells you it's only on the bed you can sleep? If you've done all kinds of job, you can sleep while standing. You, I'm telling you. If you're walking night shift and they tell you don't sleep, you, you place your head to the wall. Oh God. Oh God. And but pastor, when I sleep, the sleep is always sharp, sharp. Like 30 minutes, the sleep is done. No, that's not a good sleep. I have a sleep I can recommend for you. Sleep and dream about how you will die and how you'll be buried. You will enjoy that sleep. You will enjoy that sleep. From the time you wake up, all that nasty thoughts in your head will wipe out. So afflictions are bound to arise when your garment is stained. Hear this. Afflictions are bound to arise when grace is abused and misused. Let's move from the garment. There's a grace of God upon your life, but you are abusing it. God gave you a very powerful tongue. To draw people into the faith. But you are using that tongue to draw people into destruction. Every single man has a unique grace of God upon their life. But it just depends on how you use it. So you decided to abuse your own and misuse it. And you are saying afflictions will not rise. Hear this. Afflictions are bound to arise when your strength is wasting away. Your mates are staying up all night using their strength to pray. But you have the energy to stay up all night casting your strength on what destroys the destiny of a man. That's why sometimes I ask myself that question. I was like, whoever, whoever, whoever engaged in midnight calls from 12 to 4, 
you, you are the most useless human being I've ever seen. And I know there are a lot of ladies here too. You need to see some ladies on the phone. Two hours, three hours, they are still having conversation about things that don't make sense. Left to me, I already told my wife, I said, I prefer chatting to talking. Now, I'll tell you the reason why. And every one of us is a victim of it. Nobody can escape it. There is no way you're on the phone with someone. I don't know if anybody has a phone here. I didn't come with my phone. Can I get a phone from somebody? Can I get a phone from somebody? Please. Hand me off your phone, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. Hope it do not make any funny sound. Okay, praise God. Now, somebody calls you on the phone, and you pick up the call, and you are like this. You can't be like this for two hours. Can I shock you? you if they put a camera in front of you, you are literally acting like a madman. Because you just be doing some funny things. Eh? Hey, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, ah! Ah! Before you know it, you enter kitchen, you play with spoon, you drop the spoon, you just drop it, you walk again. The worst one is you enter toilet, you just look at the toilet again. You know you are going there to pee. You just... If the person that was talking to you for two hours, and don't think that it's just you acting like that, the person talking to you too is acting like that. So two of you are mad for two hours. In fact, your affliction just started. Because two hours madness is affliction. It's affliction. It's the truth. So that's when I see my wife talking on the phone. Just roll on the bed, roll back again. I'm like, by default, I've been using phone for a while. It's, it's, it's impossible for you to be on a spot with a phone conversation. You will just be acting. Before you know it, you remove your shirt. You wear it back. You touch cotton, you do cotton like this, put the cotton back, you sit on the chair, you arrange pillow. The worst one is that's a good place for someone to clean the house. It's not just clean the house. <laughs> Even with airports, you'll just be misbehaving. So you're just wasting your strength. So you can watch Netflix from 12 to 6. But five minutes prayer, you are short of words. So you hear stuff like, Father Lord, and the things I did not pray for, you will not get answer for the things you did not pray for. You won't get answers. Because you didn't pray for them. You didn't pray for them. And you want answers? You didn't pray for them. Are we together this morning? So you're wasting your strength in places that you should not. You need to see some people when they are arguing. They can argue to Arsenal Chelsea. That's real, I'm boys, you know. Chelsea, that's the way match, I know, you know. Ah, that didn't pay me. 2 2. Ah, no. Point is drop. Some people will even analyze what the coach said to the players, and you are not in the changing room. Say, did you notice that he changed the wing? How, how do you know that he changed the wing? What did the player just run to that wing? Say, can, see the coach. Can you see he's doing like this? He's communicating to them. He's telling them to do 
uh, true ball to pass it. Alga, are you in the stadium? Now let's analyze the scriptures. And talk about Tinubu that is already fulfilling his destiny. <laughs> you don't know the destiny of that man is to be the ruler of this nation. Since 1992, he's been planning to rule this nation. He's fulfilling it. He's 2023. You don't even know your destiny, talkless of saying you want to fulfill it. But you are talking about a man that is already at the last chapter of his life. After presidency, nothing is left. He's not even planning to go to um, um, Union General, whatever it's called. He's done. Or you sat down, discussed his life. You talked about his seven-point agenda. You analyzed his agenda. You critiqued all his ministers. You gave, I, I met somebody that gave me all the portfolios of all the ministers. And I asked him as well. I said, where's your CV? He said, me, it's drafted. Huh? But you know somebody else's portfolio. This is a generation whereby many people are wasting away, but they don't know. They don't know. Afflictions are bound to arise when the covenant is violated. Let me say this, and I will not go beyond that. Every single one of us, before you escaped the battles of the womb, a particular covenant was initiated over your life. If you violate that, you can't break the covenant, but you can violate it. If you violate that covenant, you'll be afflicted. I have ordained you a prophet from your mother's womb. If you come out to become a persecutor, you'll be afflicted. Now, I'm not saying you should go back home and ask your mom, what was the covenant that was, because your mom was not there when you were fighting in the womb. She only felt the impact. You are the one that fought in the womb. So, pastor, should I go back to the womb and find out the covenant? No. Get into relationship with God and it will expose you to the covenant that you made. Some of you made a covenant to be a good mother. But intentionally, life will put you in a home whereby marriage is being downplayed. It's not an exemption for you not to be a good wife and a good mother. That your mother was not there does not mean you can't be a good mother. That your father treated your mother less does not mean that you should be scared of men and should paint every man bad. There's a lady on um, social media. Many of you know I'm not going to mention her name. And uh, all of a sudden she came up with uh, a post that she's ready to be a mother and to be a wife. And I remembered when she was in a particular game show she literally said that she does not see a value in having a child. That she just wants to live her life and enjoy her life. It was so bad that they were asking her some crazy questions and she had responses to them. They asked her questions like, oh, what do you think about you and animals together? She was like, yeah, I've done it before. What do you think about you and same sex? Oh, I've done it before. What do you think about you and different men? Oh, I've done it before. Last week, I was shocked when I saw that she gave birth. I said, help. I said, who minister to her? I thought that was not enough. I kept scrolling through her page, and I saw that she has a program whereby she's encouraging people to heal from pains of the past. I said, ah, I said, I said, I said, I said this one is a work in progress. God is working on this one. There are people like that. 
Just tell yourself, I don't want to have a child. I don't want to have a husband. I don't want to have this. I don't want to have that. Are you following me this morning? There is a covenant upon your life. You cannot violate it. And you will not get to know that covenant if you don't have a relationship with God. Jesus was born a carpenter's son. But there was a covenant that he is to save his people. Imagine if he chose his life to just continue as a carpenter's son. He has violated the covenant. Then we need to raise another Jesus. Place your right hand on your chest. See, I will not violate my covenant. See, I will not violate my covenant. People will do all kinds of things to you to get you out of the covenant. They'll stab you at the back. They'll say all kinds of things to you. They'll rubbish you. They'll change your environment. They'll make everything look unbearable to you. But you cannot afford. In fact, this is what I say. If you don't know the covenant in the first place, you keep violating it. If you don't know it in the first place. If you don't know the covenant in the first place. Now, I'm not talking about covenant of coming to serve in church. I'm not talking about covenant of becoming a pastor. There is something that, has been, that you signed up for. There was something you signed up before you came out of the womb. You need to go back to the place of prayer and find out what that thing is. And this is what I've realized about life. That thing that you despise is likely the tool for your survival on the face of this earth. That thing you are fighting, that thing you hate, that thing you hate, that godly marriage that you hate, that might be the covenant of God upon your life. That might be. Afflictions are bound to arise when the covenant is violated. I want to show you something about a great man in the Bible that all these things are highlighted was the experience he had before he encountered Jesus. He delayed his obedience. His space was crowded with impure spirit. He ignored instructions. His garment was stained with blood. His grace was abused and misused. You'll see that in the scripture when I show you. His strength was wasting away to the point that they could tie him with chains and he would remove the chains with his teeth. And the covenant of God upon his life he violated them. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. From verse 1 to 13. Mark chapter 5. From verse 1 to 13. Are you getting something this morning? Then they went across the lake to the region of Gerizim. Another translation, maybe KJV would tell you, uh, gathering. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tomb to meet him. Somebody with an impure spirit would not even come out to meet Jesus. He would stay away from Jesus, understanding who Jesus was. The man lived in the tomb. The same man that came out of the womb. Lived where? In the tombs. It says, no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. Verse 4. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his foot. No one was strong enough to subdue him. What a manner of strength. 
What a manner of strength. Verse 5. Night and day, watch this, among the tombs, in the hills, he will do what? He will cry out. Another word for crying out in this Christian faith is the spirit of intercession. So rather than this man interceding, what was he doing in the tomb? He was crying out. So all your life you can gossip. You have enough energy to gossip. The same energy for gossiping is the same energy that is expected of you to teach God's word. I was sharing with them in the home training on Friday. I said, if insult can flow from you, not that you, who has ever rehearsed an insult? Say, I want to insult this girl, rehearse the insult. Insult flows from your belly. The same way insult flows from your belly. That's how God's word is supposed to flow out of you. But when God's word is not in your belly, it's what you have loaded your belly with that will do Now ask the person who insulted somebody for long hours. Can you remember all you said? It just came out of me. Nobody remembers their insult. Nobody remembers. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he will cry out and cut himself with stones. That's the spirit of interceding. The spirit of intercession. But the impure spirit turned it around. Verse 6. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he saw light from a distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. When Jesus saw him from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Verse 7. Verse 7. He shouted at the top of his voice. You see, say the energy is still dead there. Look at what he said to Jesus. What did he say? Let's say it out loud. What did he say? He didn't say, who are you, Jesus? He didn't say, why are you here? He said, what do you want with me? What does that tell you? He was conscious of who he was, but he was not living the reality of who he was. He was conscious. There are times in between the day and night, he will know that he's not supposed to be here. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, what did he say? He said, don't torture me. Don't punish me. I know I delayed obedience. I know my garment is stained. I know I'm messed up. I know I've violated the covenant. But sir, don't torture me. Verse 8. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man. You what? What was supposed to be inside of that man? A pure spirit. Verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? What did he say? My name is Legion. He replied, For we are many. Verse 10. Verse 10. Then he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. Verse 12. Verse 12. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. Now verse 13. He gave them permission and the impure spirit came out. Went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steam bank into the lake and were drowned. 
Great vessels are tortured by dark forces at the edge of fulfilling destiny. When you're close to fulfilling your destiny, you will be tortured. You'll be tortured by dark forces. Unsaved giants are nurtured with afflictions when the baton is about to be passed to them. When you're unsaved and the baton is about to be passed to you. What do I mean by the baton? Somebody with a similar glory that you carry is about to be taken off the surface of this earth. So the person needs to pass the baton. It's either spiritually or physically. When that stuff is about to take place, afflictions will come. Afflictions will come. Afflictions will come. But I want us to pay close attention to verse 6 and 7 of the same Mark 5. Put it to verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Verse 7. Verse 7. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus. That means there is a demand on his life that he's conscious about, but he's trying to deny it. The madman of gathering escaped the womb with an assignment. He escaped the womb with a voice, but he engaged his life as a nuisance. Some of you are here. You escaped your mother's womb as a voice, but today you are a noise or you are a nuisance. The madman of Gadarene was engaged with impure spirit. Get this right. Impure spirit will take over the government of your life anytime you ignore the pure spirit. The madman of Gadarene was, was occupied with graveyard affairs. He was rejecting life-changing instructions for destining destructive elements. Some of you are here under the sound of my voice. You've engaged your life with destiny and destructive elements. The only example that comes to me this morning, you've engaged your life in so much sexual immoralities. These are destiny and destructive elements. Not because we're young here, yeah, but I'm telling you the truth. Cigarettes will not mess up your destiny. I'm not telling you you should not go and smoke. It's just going to mess up with your, your kidney and your liver. But you see that thing they call sex? Oh my God. When people say it's a covenant, it's beyond the covenant. It messes up the destiny of a man. I know the funny thing. It, 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 it's so sweet that you, you, you will lose that touch that your destiny is wasting away. Maybe it's a cigarette or alcohol. You can manage your kidney. You can manage your liver. But when your destiny is sapped out. Stop turning off your phone. Stop turning off the TV. When you hear preachers telling you that, oh, it's two minutes enjoyment. And, you want, and, and it's destroying your life. It's the truth. Can I be honest with you this morning? It's the truth. A destiny of 60 years. You messed it up in two minutes. Ah, yes, they call a lago 10 minutes. 
highest take whatever it is. Add Montina and Mick Ogwenje. Add everything. Highest. Pastor, I did one hour. So a destiny of 60 years, 70 years, you traded it. Pastor, I was carried away. It's my weakness. Weakness kill you there. Life-changing instructions. You exchange them for destiny and destructive elements. Let me tell you something about graveyard affairs. Anytime you engage with graveyard affairs, it attacks the flow of mercy in the life of a man. So you are praying for mercy, but you are engaged with some things that is attacking the flow of mercy. Graveyard affairs will cause a man of Zion to be helpless and useless. Graveyard affairs will frustrate the grace of God upon the life of any man. So there's a grace at work in your life, but the grace is frustrated because your affairs are graveyard inclined. Graveyard affairs will delay your season of thanksgiving. So when others are saying there was sorrow at night, joy came in the morning, that's not your lot. In fact, your morning has not started. Because there's something you've engaged your life with that is delaying your season of thanksgiving. If you read verse 18 of the same Mark 5, verse 18 to 20, verse 18 to 20, let's take 18 to 20, Mark 5. Of course, before we got to 18, Jesus already set the man free. Now watch this. This man has been engaged with a lot of graveyard affairs. He has delayed destiny, stained his garment, violated covenant. Now as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon, what? Obsessed. Begged Jesus to do what? Verse 19. Verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but said to him, go home to what? Let me say this, because this was what the Holy Spirit reminded me. The day you realize that your time in the graveyard is done, and you start engaging with vineyard affairs, your first assignment is to go back to deal with the people that put you in the graveyard in the first place. That's why you find somebody who was once raped. They will tell the person, before your healing starts, forgive the person that raped you. You choose not to forgive that person, you are not free yet. The person who messed you up, you have to go back. The guy who cheated on you, you forgive. The mother who messed up your destiny, you forgive. The father who was not there for you, you forgive. Joyce Moya said that her ministry really started when she forgave her father. Tyler Perry said, God opened the doors of prosperity to him when he forgave those who despised him. 
Jesus could have taken the man with him. That would make him the 13th disciple. But what did he say to him? Go back to what? Who do you think put the man in the tomb? It was his people. It was his people. Why would the people put the man in the tomb? Because they knew the destiny he carried. That's why the Bible says that the biggest enemy of a man is not your friend, is not your cousin, is not your pastor, is not your church, is not your department leader. It's your household. Your household is not talking about your father and mother before you go home and fight them. Your household is talking about the people you have surrounded yourself with. Who took you to the party that you got raped? Was your friend. Did you go there yourself? So you want God to heal you. Forgive that friend first. And one of the ways to forgive that friend is by showing that friend the light. How many of you have watched Abathor in this place? When Chief Jerusalem got saved, his energy was not to go out to the street to preach the gospel. He was looking for those that he has deceived with the court. That's the reason why you are not healed. That's the reason why you are not well. That's the reason why you are still afflicted. You are like, Pastor, if truly God says, I'm, not, I'm no longer doing that stuff, but I'm still going through pains. You have to go back to your people. And what's the first thing you do when you meet your people? What do you do? Tell them. Tell them. Tell them what? Tell them what? Tell them what? And how much he has done what? Because left to them, they looked at you. That once they dropped you in the tomb, you are as good as dead. You need to show them that if I could win the battles of the womb, Jesus has shown me mercy in the tomb. I am no longer dead, but alive. Stop looking for different people. Go back to what? Your whole people. Back to the testimony I shared earlier with you when, I started, when we started service. How did I know that I have the grace of God to pray on the water and the water will administer healing to the person? It was on my brother that I tried it first. And he told my parents, Brother Moa prayed on the water for me and my stomach pain left. My first breakthrough ministry was from the same family that despised me. Jesus said, go back to your people. Go back to your people. The same people that put you in the tombs. You think it's his friends that will tie him on chains? You think his neighborhood, the people in the neighborhood that will tie him on chains? It's his family members. His own people. People who told him that, oh God, calm down, you don't have a destiny. Let's, let's enjoy life. Now verse 20, verse 20, watch this, watch this. The man went away and began to tell the word, the Decapolis. Another word for Decapolis is tens of thousands. He didn't go to another community. He didn't go to another country. He didn't go to another city. His own city. How much Jesus has done for what? And all his people were what? If you read further, you will see where Jesus came back to that city. The madman of Gadara was regarded as the first evangelist in the Bible. He won the city for Jesus. You can put an end to graveyard affairs when you get rid of strange elements in your space. 
by living your life truly as one who is saved, by relocating from the graveyard to the vineyard, by taking a decision to step up everything about your faith. And one of the ways to step up everything about your faith is that you will face your fears. As a book I wrote, you might get it on your way downstairs. Very cheap. Trade your fears. If you need to cry out, cry out. If you need to approach that uncle, approach that uncle. If you need to approach that auntie, approach that auntie. If you need to call your father one more time, call your father. If you need to call your mother one more time, call your mother. That's where your healing starts from. That's where your breakthrough starts from. Somebody say, I'm healed. Put your right hand on your chest and say, I'm healed. Now let's close with this scripture. Isaiah 30, verse 19 to 22. Isaiah 30, from verse 19 to 22. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Now watch this. People of Zion will live in Jerusalem. You weep no more. Can I get an amen? How gracious will it be when you cry for what? As soon as he hears, he does what? Verse 20. Verse 20. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Verse 21. Verse 21. When you turn to the right or to the left, your ears, this is, an, this, this is a big amen for somebody that will not sit on a seat. Your ears will hear a voice behind you. I'm speaking to somebody, I'm speaking to a lady this morning. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. This is what? Walk. Verse 22. Verse 22. Then you would desecrate your idols overlay with silver and your images covered with gold. You would throw them away like a menstrual cloth. Have you seen a lady throwing away their menstrual stuff? It's like disgusting. They want to get rid of it on time. And say to them, what will you say to them? Once you have not reached this point in your life, you will still be afflicted. You must look into that face of that thing that wants to keep you in the tomb and tell that thing to the face. What do you say? A way. I know for a fact that if he helped you to win the battles of the womb, it will help you to win the battles of the tomb. I know for a fact. He can't let you come to this hurt to waste away your life. So get rid of every strange element in your space. Live your life truly as someone that is what? That is saved. Stop faking your salvation. Stop faking your healing. If you have to cry for help, do what? If you have to expose the fool, what do you do? Expose the fool. 
Do you know the kind of damage they did to that man in the tombs? His garment was stained with blood. He was feeding on his own blood. Using his teeth to break chains. If anything wants to disgrace you, they don't send you back to the womb. They put you in the tomb. And your foolishness will think that there is life in the tomb. Somebody say, I'm better than the tomb. Say it with confidence. Say, I'm better than the tomb. Be on your feet this morning. Be on your feet this morning. Say, I'm better than the tomb. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluen podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you.